0: Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, whenever you may be listening. This is the Innovate Western New York podcast, and we now live in a post-headphone jack society. Thanks a lot, Apple. Uh, The fruit company, yesterday, Wednesday, uh, September 7th, 1955. Wait a minute now. Uh, So yeah, they released the new iPhone 7, or rather they announced the new iPhone 7. Without a headphone jack, it's also water-resistant. A lot of things that uh, other phone companies have been doing for a little while. Um, I could probably dedicate a whole separate podcast episode with hot takes on the Apple announcements, but to sum it up real quick, I wasn't overly impressed. The, the fact that I have to now buy the iPhone 7 Plus for the really spectacular cam- dual camera system uh, is a little bit annoying. So I don't know. I've been a diehard Apple fan since 2002 when I started doing video editing in high school uh, I had the first uh, iPhone 3G have been Apple for a very long time but they just haven't been innovating like they used to and uh, up until the battery recall of the Samsung Galaxy 7 um, I was really tempted to buy that model so who knows chances are as my wife has always said you're probably just going to suck it up and buy the new iPhone anyway so again a very underwhelming announcement of the iPhone, but that's not what this episode is about. This week's podcast is about Margaret Finan and the startup If Then Giving. The startup is taking on the issue of reoccurring charitable giving. For example, if a homeless shelter needs not a lot of funding in the summertime months because it's warm out, um, but they need a lot of funding in the in the winter. And uh, how do you get that reoccurring funding source rather than just having a charitable ball there really isn't charitable balls anymore. So, how do you tackle this? Well, Finan and her team have taken the concept of if-then statements, which you may remember from an Excel spreadsheet, and applied them to charitable giving. But I am not giving that description any justice, so how about I let her explain it?
1: It's a fundraising platform that you know helps nonprofits raise money when it matters most. So, it's a space where nonprofits can outline recurring times of need or recurring times of success, and donors can sign in, pledge to give an automatic and predetermined donation, which will be triggered if that circumstance occurs. So, um, you know, when we talk about when it matters most for nonprofits, um, for some nonprofits, that might be times of need. So, you know, when you consider a homeless shelter, um, a lot of homeless shelters have a Code Blue initiative, especially in New York State. Yeah. Um, you know, when the temperature drops below freezing, they turn into a de facto warming shelter. So, every time that happens, they're sending vans out into the street. Uh, they need money to gas up those vans, they need extra food. So, if I'm a donor that, that is really passionate about that, I can say, hey, if Code Blue occurs, then I want to give $5. And if then, automatically triggers that. Um, for other organizations, it might be times of success. So, you know, when, when they're really making an impact in the community, and uh, for example, uh, one of the uh, beta partners that we have with us, International Institute, you know, they'll, re- they'll resettle about 380 refugees in the Buffalo community. In the next year, so they're using this as an opportunity to say, "Hey, for every 25 refugees that we resettle, if we resettle 25 refugees, you can kind of pay it forward and um, give a five or ten dollar donation, help buy a warm winter coat, a warm winter coat, um, you know, a warm meal, an emergency cell phone, bus fare to English class."
0: Um, so this seems like a pretty very specific type of fundraising mm-hmm. um, platform. How did the idea come about?
1: So it actually came out of um, Block Club, which is a branding and strategy agency out of downtown Buffalo, where we're standing out right now. Um, And so Block Club has worked with a lot of nonprofits, so big and small on campaign uh, campaign strategy and fundraising campaigns um, and and something that we recognize across the board, you know, big and small. There's there's never enough money to go around. Fundraising is a really hard job. The second problem that we saw is that you know, looking forward as nonprofits are looking to their next big generation of givers, the millennial generation, um, the traditional fundraising methods that have been really successful with boomers don't really catch millennials. So they need to develop... You know, Telephones so, don't work for us. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. Direct mail campaigns, I think it's, um, you know, what, what we found is that uh, millennials are uh, really, really value seeing the impact of their donation and direct mail campaigns and galas don't really cut it for them. So you know, we, we were working with our nonprofit clients at Block Club and just saw this problem across the board, and so we thought, hey, let's come up with a solution. And so that's how If Then was born. It came out of the um, in-house incubator that we have at Block Club, wherein we kind of investigate solutions that the team comes up with and see if they have legs to stand at their own, um, as their own company. And uh, If Then was really kind of the first idea that we started kicking around, and it, it has just become a, a really intuitive idea that that everyone is kind of... Latched onto.
0: So, who have you partnered up with here in Western New York? Uh, I know it's on your website. There's quite a few local bigger yeah. charities that mm-hmm. you guys are working with.
1: Yes. So, we're actually moving into beta testing next week, um, and so we have about eight nonprofit partners out of Western New York. Um, we've got Catholic Charities, Seast Education right across the street, um, Meals on Wheels, uh, Crisis Services, Boys and Girls Club, Riverkeeper international institute and in habitat for humanity so
0: really just a, a kind of a hodgepodge of yeah. a little bit of everything you've yeah. got your your traditional companies and then mm-hmm. obviously something like riverkeeper yeah. where it's a very specific type very of specific
1: yeah so um what we're looking to do is is really um prove that this works with oh sure
0: and if you're listening on the podcast we're listening we're uh, pausing for the truck <laughs> um i should i shouldn't note that it's hot everywhere today in Buffalo, which is rare, and the humidity is like a thousand percent. So we're standing in the shade outside because it <laughs> felt most comfortable. Sure,
1: watching my hair expand by the minute. <laughs> it's, it's yeah, it's getting getting bigger and bigger. The excitement is palpable. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we've got um, nonprofits really kind of across the board, and what we're um, looking to prove with beta testing is that you know if then really engages their passionate donor base. I think you know we look at if then as a tool that is a way to amplify giving from any small yield donor across the board. And while specifically I think the low-hanging fruit here are the millennials, um, this is an intuitive way for them to give. It really makes sense for any small yield donor. So someone who's giving maybe less than $200 a year, you plug them into this way of giving and they see, hey, I can give every time it really matters and just kind of watch that number increase.
0: You know, I notice when I do my taxes, and of course this is opening up a little bit, but you know, when it gets to the, oh, how much have you given to charity this year? I'm like, oh, yeah, not a dime that right. I can think of off the top of my head because <laughs> right. I'm of the, you know, I'm 31, so I'm of the generation. Yep. If it's not on my phone, I don't figure yeah. out how to do it. Yeah. Um, so it seems like it's kind of answering that problem.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and certainly there are um, there are crowdfunding platforms out there already. Um, You know, there's there's CrowdRise, there's Kickstarter, there's Indiegogo, but when we look at that, um, those are really kind of finish line fundraising platforms, um, wherein there's there's not really space for nonprofits who need constant ongoing fundraising. Um, So we're looking at then as um, this really meaningful ongoing giving, but it makes it really, really easy for givers across the board. So, you know, essentially you sign up for Then one time, you enter your payment information, and then you're really in for good. You can give to any nonprofit um, that has a campaign going. Um, and and if then just really takes care of everything you know we send you uh, updates on on when it's triggered we we give you follow-up with with the nonprofit. they can update you on exactly what your money went to and it's an opportunity for donors to really feel connected to where their dollars are going to how is um
0: you know obviously everything needs to make some sort of profit how Mm -hmm. so how is if then what's the plan for being profitable because obviously it's a it's a great idea for cherries and stuff, but if it's not you know, functioning yeah. in the back end, yeah, sure. it's, it's, it's kind of pointless.
1: Sure, absolutely. So we're actually, through beta testing, we're functioning on a commission-based model. Um, so we take a, a 5% cut. Um, that has been very attractive to nonprofits because, essentially, you know, it doesn't cost them any money unless they're making money. And, you know, as we move forward in time, as we move forward through beta testing and we learn, um, you know, the features that we can build out to make this a really, really great tool across the board for nonprofits, you know, we'll, we'll probably pivot into more of a, a tiered payment structure, um, wherein, you know, the more features that you get, uh, you, can, you can cut down on that commission and just pay a, a more sustainable, um, commi- uh, sorry, uh, just a monthly subscription rate kind of, yeah.
0: Um, how, you know, it seems like, again, like I said in the beginning, it seems like a, a relatively big idea. And yes, there's Kickstarter and other mm-hmm. uh, crowd fundraising type platforms. Um, nothing, though, from what I can understand or what I've researched, really pops to mind for charity based. So, mm-hmm. um, why do you think this is going to be something that could work out?
1: Well, you know, I think that um, nonprofits have, you know, especially those that we're working with, they have really, really incredible messages. Um, their missions are incredible they're they're usually heart-wrenching it's not a tough story to sell it's difficult for them to constantly focus on engaging with donors because they're really out there trying to do their mission um, and not focus on fundraising constantly so if we can give them a tool that that really really intuitively connects them to donors really get their story out there and makes it really easy for donors to give you know i, I think it's going to be a huge hit it's it's you know every single nonprofit that we have on board and and all of the donors that that uh, they've spoken to you about it. it. It's just, it's a really intuitive idea that makes sense.
0: Um, so how long have you guys been working on this, and what's what's kind of next? You're going into beta testing, but what what's the roadmap looking forward?
1: Sure. So um, we actually, we founded in May. Okay. And so it's, you know, it came out of Block Club. Um, it came out of Block Club Labs, which is the incubator. And uh, I am the CEO, and we've brought on a team from uh, Helm. I don't know if you're familiar with them out of... Um, they're a Z80 company, a user experience testing firm. So that's uh, Nicholas Barone, Jonathan Gorsica, and Mark Taylor. So they've come on as co-founders, and we're running through beta testing right now. We've got a you know an MVP platform, and next steps will be through, you know, once we launch next week, through the end of the year, we'll be working on building out V2 of the platform. And that will be a much more robust platform. Um, it'll be capable of onboarding any nonprofit with 501c3 status. Um, and, you know, once we launch a beta platform and start proving some traction, I'll be looking for seed funding. So that's the next big step. Um, and then and then, really just running with it and, and getting as, as many nonprofits as we can onboard. I've had, um, we've gotten some press in the last couple weeks. Um you know i presented at uh i pitched at bright buffalo and then we had a couple of pieces in um, a business first in buffalo news and since those came out um, you know we've had nonprofits from all across the country reaching out and asking when will be available in their state so it's, it's really exciting to see that people are really interested in using this what,
0: what was some of the reactions when you did pitch at bright buffalo because i know it's obviously it's a whole bunch of a whole room full of people with startups so what was that reaction like
1: um it was uh it was really fun to be there it was you know it's a great crowd to be amongst there were incredible pitches there um you know i I think that i had a lot of folks come up to me afterwards and just say that um it made so much sense to them the pitch is pretty simple um and it's crazy that there's not something out there already like this you know and we're we're really the first one we're we're calling it circumstance-based giving um and again, it's just the the constant response across the board is that it's a really intuitive idea, and I think folks are really excited about it.
0: You know, with some uh, there's always some skepticism with um, so-called nonprofits, things like that. You know, with with fraud, you know, everyone's pennies are pinched these days. Yeah. Um, so, what what are kind of some of the guidelines within if then, you know, to prevent, you know. A company getting through that might
1: not be totally honest. Sure. So we're actually building out um, the back to to talk with um, a platform called GuideStar, which which vets nonprofits, um, make sure that they're five hundred one c three status, and I believe that they have had that status for three years. So you know, because in the first year you can get that status and then just kind of coast on it. So to make sure it's a really reputable charity, and then we'll also be building in safeguards to the platform. You know, especially when we're looking at temperature triggers like we spoke about with a homeless shelter you know in a bad winter in Buffalo that could happen five days a week which would be you know pretty scary for me to hand over my payment card for that so we're building in you know kind of a a system of checks and balances for donors so you know you can pledge and say hey I want to give if this happens but no more than twice a month or you know no more than three times a month so we'll be building in um, features where it, it, it won't be possible for a nonprofit to trigger it more than maybe once a week okay just to be safe. And then the donor can set their own
0: personal limitations. Um, are there things built in where you might get a notification, say, hey, you've only given twice, but, you know, X, company, X organization needs something, consider more?
1: Yeah, definitely. So that's something we'll be focusing on when we start building out okay. V2 is really um, finding meaningful ways to um, offer donors uh, opportunities to give more and I think it'll, it'll be fun to really start exploring kind of profile building and so if I'm someone who's given to several homeless shelters or you know I'm clearly passionate about um, helping out the homeless or you know I'm passionate about cancer research or um, you know stopping animal cruelty we can offer opportunities to to give to more causes in that arena.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, did you ever think you know we were talking before this uh, conversation started about kind of both of our paths to Buffalo and um, did you ever think you'd be doing something
1: like this? Um, I didn't. I actually. So, so both of my brothers um, are entrepreneurs in Buffalo, and you know I mentioned to you they've right out the gate were always attracted to you know starting their own companies. And I was really always kind of the, the science nerd in the family, and always expected to go into medicine. And um, you know I was at school studying that, and I got really really sick with some freak autoimmune condition overnight and uh, no one could figure out what it was. And I was really sick for about three years and it, it just completely clotheslined me. And um, you know, it made me profoundly aware of the fact that things can really change overnight. And um, you know, when I look at nonprofits, I see them as safety nets across our community, be it in um, human welfare issues or environmental issues. You know, they place safety nets across our community that are vital for the success of our communities and so to answer your question no i never thought i'd get into this but now you know that i've that i've had that experience and here i am you know after seeing the right doctor back on my feet and really really can understand how quickly things can change overnight for people and how incredibly valuable nonprofits are to our community it has been a privilege to to run with this idea and and try to offer nonprofits a tool that helps them be successful right now and, and moving forward into the future and secure that success for them as well.
0: You know, you mentioned your brothers being entrepreneurs. You guys mm-hmm. have this little conglomerate growing here on Main Street of right. um, of things going on. Yeah. Um, and we're going to wait for another truck to go by. <laughs> you know, on paper, this seemed like a good idea. Um, we guys got this, you know, little thing brewing. You know, where did that come from? I like, mean, you know, where did this drive for the for you guys to want to build things
1: Yeah, I'm not sure we, we always kind of laugh about that I think um you know my mom is is just kind of a powerhouse and she always told us that you know we could do anything we wanted and we would always be successful if we worked very very hard and were very smart about how we approached it and um I think that she just really instilled in us a really can-do attitude and um and I think we're all just naturally very curious, and it's kind of manifested in our, you know, our different passions. And you know, we've all, you know, we all have our own startups now, but they're all in in really kind of fun different areas.
0: Yours is charity-based, though, so do you have the more important one. Do you
1: kind of... <laughs> yeah, I like to think so. <laughs> yeah. So. Um,
0: so, what do you want the you know, kind of wrapping this up? What do you want the big takeaway you know to be, uh, and what can we expect and throughout the rest of 2016?
1: Sure. Um, I think that if then is is. A really exciting company to watch out for I think that um we've got some incredible nonprofits on board and and I'm very excited for them to share how it's worked with them and um, you know just just keep an eye out for us I think that we will be growing very very quickly and um, and we're, we're looking for nonprofit partners moving forward and we've got a great team and I'm just so excited to see where it goes
0: how soon do you think you're gonna be opening up to uh other communities other
1: communities um we're, we're aiming for it at the start of next year okay. mm-hmm. yep so as, as as soon as v2 rolls up we should be able to to take anyone on board it'll be an automated process right now it's a little bit a little bit more work so we're limited in who we can take on because everything is kind of manual we'll
0: have to check up then yeah <laughs> thanks great cover.
1: thanks so much Nate.
0: If you want to learn more, visit ifthen.org. There are several campaigns in Western New York going on right now using the If Then service, including Meals on Wheels and Catholic Charities. I want to thank Margaret for joining me this week. It was a great interview. I know we uh, recorded it outside. It was a very hot day when we uh, recorded it. We didn't feel like being inside. We get so few hot days in Western New York, and this summer has provided us plenty of them, so it's always nice to be able to do something a little bit different. Uh, Thanks again for listening to the podcast. Feel free to follow me at twitter.com slash Nate Benson or at Nate Benson Uh, and also on facebook.com slash Nate Benson TV and if you're doing this Snapchat thing, I hear the kids are doing it these days, Nate Benson TV there as well. If you like the podcast, I invite you to subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud and please leave a rating or a review or a comment. I know the corporate overlords who are monitoring this podcast would very much so appreciate that. And uh, this series couldn't be done without you, the listener, uh, and the viewers of WGRZ-TV. So if there's a Western New York startup, a tech company, or a manufacturer doing some really creative things in the innovative space, please let me know so I can highlight them in a future podcast or TV segment. I want to thank you again for listening, and we'll see you at the next one.